bit new music for Wish. It's late. I believe this tune is referred to, or actually the title of it is Frisky Elevator Music, which we can also now call HR Violation. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN joining me here for MVSW Wednesdays. Hello, Wish. How are you, pal? I'm doing okay. I have uh, contracted some sort of uh, virus from a child. Uh-oh. Uh, she was she was sick all weekend. Yeah. Um, like, fevery and stuff. And then, like, she totally gave me what she had. And And so, you know, last night was the first night for ESPN's hockey coverage for season two. And yeah. so I was, like, having long discussions with my body and saying <laughs> hang in there until 7:30 buddy you got you this. know we could we could yeah. do whatever we need to today we could sleep we can pump up ourselves up with all matter and sort of drugs but uh just just maintain until 7:30 mm-hmm. and my body uh acquiesced and and I was very pleased and now how is it feeling what's the the aftermath the morning after the day after i'm actually I'm actually doing this hit from a coffin, uh, which I thought was... A, <laughs> That's a nice touch. Uh, the acoustics are good, but uh, yeah, not no, necessarily I where I want to be. Got a nice uh, padding. You sound I'll, really nice. You, you're, you're vo- I noticed your voice has dropped an octave. That's what uh, the coffin effect on the microphone <laughs> yeah, will do. Yeah, it's yeah, great. That's right. Well done. Well... That's the tough part. I could either come on and talk hockey with you or, or go back to my uh, day job on uh, Love 105.1. Uh, <laughs> very white music. <laughs> we'll be right back. Um, okay, so uh, a, a few a few things. Based on what you saw last night, let's let's focus on the early game. So New York Rangers facing off against the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the team that's gone to the Stanley Cup final three seasons in a row. They've won a pair of Stanley Cups. They've... Like they do every year, had to, to shed some skin. So Ryan McDonough is now in Nashville, and Andre Pallad is a member of the New Jersey Devils. And yes, wish we're going to get to the New Jersey Devils uh, in a couple of moments. What what do you take away from last night other than Mika Zibanejad is awesome? Well, I take away that the Rangers played pretty well five on five, and I think that was the, the my big hesitation coming into the season, where you know their underlying numbers at even strength last year were were bad. They were you know last third of the league. For most of the yeah. year, they, they turned around those metrics after the trade deadline, but a lot of those guys that got at the trade deadline aren't there anymore, like Andrew Cobb. Andrew so Cobb. the question I had coming into the season was, what does this team look like at even strength? I think they played pretty well at even strength. Uh, the you know thought was that the addition of Vincent Trocek was going to help them in the long run to turn that trend around as well. So I think you've got to be really happy if you're a Ranger fan coming out of the gate because some of the, of the lingering questions about this team – uh, were were answered in, in the short form last night. And then for the, the Bolts, like, you know, I think we all know that in the regular season, the key is going to be how Mikhail Sergachev picks up the slack and steps up and, and works hard to replace what Ryan McDonough left behind, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a significant hole in that lineup. I don't think they feel the sting of Andre Palat's absence until the postseason. I mean, that's really where <laughs> you really feel the absence of a guy who plays extraordinarily well in both ends and has a real knack for knowing exactly where to put his stick blade so Mr. Stamkos and Kucherov can connect pucks mm-hmm. with it for goals. Like You and I have talked about him before. I'm sure you're bored now. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to refer to him as mini-host and then you go on your little diatribe, Merrick, about how good you think Andre Palat is. 
But like, really, like that's I, I know that that really shows up profoundly in the playoffs. I just think like even in the regular season, I always made this point about Babcock with with the Red Wings. When your best offensive players are also your best defensive players, you don't lose a line. You don't lose a line matchup. And I always felt that one of the luxuries, and it was under really understated because of all the stars in Tampa. One of the luxuries that John Cooper has always had is he had that guy. He had that that Swiss Army knife that could just jump over the boards in any situation and do whatever the coach wanted. That was Palat. That guy's now in New Jersey. <laughs> Enjoy that, Jack Hughes. Like all of a sudden you got someone well, that's going to do all the all the all the ugly work so you can shine. Like that's such a luxury you know, Cooper had with that guy. It's so funny. Like I so I was at Devil's Camp recently and I was talking with Damon Severson about Palat. And uh, he's talking about like what Palat brings to their lineup and he's like, you know, he's a bit of a jack of all trades. I'm like, Damon the preferred comparison is a Swiss Army knife. Uh, that's what John Cooper always used. That's what we in the media use. Jack of all trades is nice. You have a guy named Jack on your team. It could get confusing. Please, going forward, refer to Andre Palat as a Swiss Army knife. It's true, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I always go back and forth on, okay, so when, you, when you're letting go of players, okay, which will the team miss the most? And I get it. And your point about Sergachev is a good one. Although, you know, Sergachev and McDonough are, are much different defensemen. You know, yep. uh, McDonough, and by the way, that McDonough-Eckholm pairing, like, that might be the best shutdown pair in the NHL, period. Good luck getting anything towards the net when those two are on the ice. But, like, Sergachev's not that guy, so it's not going to be a, a direct replacement for for uh, for what McDonough did. But how do you replace Andre Palat? You can't. Well, you, you don't. I mean, well, hold on. I, I say you don't, but I mean, like, at the end of the day, They've got a good collection of forwards. They can't replace him one-on-one. He's kind of a one-of-one player for them. But, you know, there's there's forward depth in that team. And, you know, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the guys, and I know he's not necessarily a Palat replacement, but one of the guys I've been interested in seeing is, is Brandon Hagel. I mean, I know that he had a lot of trouble last year kind of getting acclimated to Tampa after the trade and, you know, was still figuring things out when I talked to him during the playoffs last year. So I was interested to see what exactly he actualizes as for them during a full season in Tampa. And they've got other guys like Ross Colton and players like that too. But no, I mean, there's no replacing him. And again, the McDonough thing is a really good point because if you look around this league and you and I have talked many times about how it's a copycat league and everybody's trying to do the same, the same stuff. One of the things the teams undoubtedly try to do is create a situation where you have two defensive pairings that play well over two thirds of the game. Yes. And then you have like trash on the third pairing or, <laughs> or like whatever, just random stuff on their third pairing. And, you know, you look at the, the advantage that Tampa had during their, their cup runs of being able to trot out Hedman and, and Ruda and the McDonough's pairing. Yeah. And then you're good to go for well over two thirds of the game. Now Nashville is going to have that luxury again which you can argue they hadn't had maybe since Ellis left. Um, or, or I should say since Ellis was healthy. I should probably go before he, he left. Um, Vegas last night was a great example of that too. I mean, you know, when they play Petrangelo and, and Theodore on their own pairings, they've, they've got that on lock for over two-thirds of the game. It, it really is, I think, in the DNA of championship teams, something that's hugely essential. Colorado last year, another great example of it. and. I'm not quite sure if Tampa has that anymore. I don't. I don't think that you replace that uh, with McDonough not being there anymore, unless you go and find it 
from some pl- other place again. Because you're always looking for that one piece that, okay, that's the one that ended it for this team, right? Like we've seen this, whether it was the Hawks, whether it was, you know, Pens before, whether it was Los Angeles Kings, like the the mini dynasties end because of the salary cap and we had to let go of this guy, we had to let go of this guy and this guy was going to cost too much and this guy was due. And then there's that one player. And again, I've, I've always maintained like, you know, it, you're a fool if you write off Tampa. Like just just don't knowing how those players play specifically in playoff time doesn't matter if they're in first in the division or fourth and scrape in that team plays hard to a person um but you wonder like is 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 this combination Palat and McDonough are those the two that finally began the downfall of the Tampa Bay Lightning I don't know there's still tons of skill they there they don't begin the doubt they don't begin the downfall. Like as long as you have the quadrilogy of of Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky, you're going to be okay. Like you're going to be in contention for a cup. What you lose, though, is is the special sauce. What you lose is the sprinkling of magic that comes with two guys that, throughout those runs and even through last year's run, make plays. That's the thing you don't have. They make plays you need a play made in the playoffs palat would score the goal mcdonough would get the stop like how many times in a clutch situation do we hear john cooper talking after the game about how if if mcdonough and or palat doesn't make that play we don't win the game and that's what you lose you don't necessarily lose the chance to win i think this team's going to be in contention yeah for the next several years but you lose that extra special thing that ends up kind of being the determining factor between winning and losing it. And, and honestly, Merrick, like the beginning of, of losing that special thing was seeing Yanni Gord walk out the door to the Kraken the mm-hmm. year before. Well, the and, whole line. Like, uh, right, the whole line. So I'm not saying that's why they lose to Colorado, but I am saying that when that happened, I think that's the first time you start asking yourself, okay, they've got immeasurable talent. Um, they are loaded for bear. They have one of the best coach, if not the best coach in the NHL, but they don't have that X factor thing anymore that gets you a Yanni Gord goal in a game seven against the Islanders that gets you that one shift from that line in the Stanley cup final that changed the momentum of the game. That's when it started to kind of lose the thread a little bit for the X factor stuff. And, and now without pull out there, it really starts to lose the thread. You know what you lose? You lose the luxury items. And you know what one of the luxury items for Tampa has been ever since Ryan McDonough's been there? Mikhail Sergachev on the third pair. Like that is, Correct. to your point, like, oh, the throwaway pair, okay, let's just get them their, their minutes so the top four can can rest here. Like John Cooper had Sergachev on his third pair. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. And now, to bad. your point, he's he's bumped up in that, you know, the the fact that he was... You know, on the third pair, and he is who he is, you know, gives, you know, Julian Breezeball the luxury of being able to, to move him like that. Um, I do want to ask you about Vegas because you, you hinted at, uh, at them a couple of seconds ago. And listen, that was a huge, I know it's the first game again, but that's still a big game for them. That's in LA, expectations big for the Kings. You know, Vegas has a ton of question marks, just, you know, barely, you know, with through maybe the threat of offer sheet out there a couple of days ago. Um, uh, they get the Nick Hague deal done. Uh, they let go of Max Pacioretty, et cetera. This is the story of the Vegas Golden Knights, and Robin Leonard is not available uh, for the season, and we all wish him the very best. 
And Eichel has a great game. Stone looks good after getting, you know, various boulders taken out of his back. And Logan Thompson looked really good. Like those first 10 minutes when L.A. just dumps everything at Vegas, Logan Thompson was awesome. Like what do you take away from game one of the uh, the 82-game autopsy here or 80-game examination of the Vegas Golden Knights? First of all, they didn't give Max Pacioretty away. Like that bag of air they got back for him. <laughs> I mean, candy you could do a lot they with got that. back for him. Okay, yeah, 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 you could seriously like if you're like short on oxygen, just grab that bag of air and yeah. take a deep breath, and, and you'll feel better. Those uh, those uh, sour keys and uh, that they got in exchange for him. Yeah, those are going to come in handy. Look, <laughs> I think that there is a lane. I'm writing about this a little bit tomorrow in my column. I think there's a lane for Logan Thompson to win the Calder, and and that lane is if the Vegas Golden Knights make the playoffs and his numbers are decent. Um, I think he can win the Calder just by virtue of, of solving one of the biggest problems that any team faces as they enter the season, which is Robin Lehner being on the shelf for the entirety of the season. Yeah. Like if Logan Thompson comes in, plays like what between 45 and 50 games, say percentage in the neighborhood of nine fifteen, maybe uh, nine, 12, nine, uh, nine, 10. No, I'd 9, go, 10? I'd go, I'd go higher. I'd, I'd go higher. What was, what was league average last year? Like nine twelve, nine ten. Well, I think league league average last year was eight twenty three. It was it was a really different kind of season. And by the way, that's what I was going to say about last night. Like the through four, uh, three games of this season, the two Prague games and then the Ranger yeah. game. Uh, it there was a a, a creeping fear that that uh, the goals had gone away, and then you watch that L A Vegas game, and uh, it's played at like two point five x speed. Goals all over the place in the third period. I started feeling a lot better about life uh, and, and the <laughs> potential for this season to be, again, like like last season was with that cavalcade of offense. Um, I think ultimately what we saw from Vegas is what we're going to see from Vegas a lot this year, which is um, Logan Thompson will look good. At the end of the day, he still gave up three goals, and they're going to try to score their way out of any problem that they're in. And I think they can. Like The reason I picked Vegas to make the playoffs again is because I – truly believe that when healthy they are talented enough to outkick their goaltending mm-hmm. um and make the playoffs and, and i think that we saw that last night my god mark the game mark stone had you know bringing back riley smith and seeing him make all those cute little intangible plays that he does during the game eichel like you said the power play clicked i mean it, it was the kind of game that for bruce cassidy and for for knights fans is kind of a proof of concept game of okay, we can repeat this formula 20 times this year where Logan Thompson has to make a few saves and then we just win the game with the sheer force of the rest of the talent on the roster. You know, one of the things as we'll focus on Logan Thompson, I want to mention one thing about Jonathan Quick as well. And you mentioned Riley Smith, that buzzer save at the end of the first by Jonathan Quick was yeah. spectacular. And, you know, Todd McClellan mentioned this post-game as well. What L.A. did yesterday at home, game one, day one, is they squandered a really good start by Jonathan Quick. Again, only one game, only the first game. You can't do that. You can't squander. You can't <laughs> because, squander. Because they're few and far between? You can't. Well, no, just because, like, you're going to be a team that's going to be clawing your way in. Like, I don't think that, like, I think that, you know, Edmonton's going to breeze into the playoffs. You expect Calgary to breeze into the playoffs. There are teams that are going to breeze into the playoffs just based on who they are. I don't think L.A. is there yet. And when you squander a great opportunity, like, 
yesterday, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, I thought was excellent for Tampa, all of being a losing cause. And like, okay, well, that's fine because Tampa's going to be fine at the end of all of it. But when you're a team like Los Angeles and you get a goaltending performance like that from quick, you don't come back with points. Oof, that's a tough one. Yeah, but it's a good reminder of where they are. Like, they were ahead of, of schedule last year in making the playoffs. And they don't make the playoffs, by the way, if Vegas is healthy. I think yep. we can. I don't think it's like being a Gold Knights truther to say that. Like, I think anyone that watches hockey knows exactly where those two teams were at that point in the year. Um, there's still a team that's 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 putting it together. I mean, like, you know, you had people last night saying Jersey lost the game with with his play giveaway. on that last goal. And, and I mean, you could definitely say that, but I think it's sort of indicative of this team still being so young in some areas that mistakes will be made. And they're on the way up, and you watch that team, and you say to yourself, my God, like, we will be living in the King's world in two years. Maybe. <laughs> like, there is that sort of delicate balance right now between the, the veteran guys and the young guys, mm-hmm. and they're trying their best to hit that sweet spot. I still think they can within the next two years, uh, but there's still going to be mistakes made for now because they're not quite there yet. What did you make of Kessel in the Knights gear? <laughs> I, I, gig, I giggle every time I see Phil Kessel uh, and remember that he's playing in Vegas because for those of us who have covered Phil for decades, the idea that one of the NHL's preeminent poker pros is now playing in the capital of like oh, yeah. Texas Hold'em yeah. is just, it couldn't, it couldn't have ended. I'm not saying this is the end, but it couldn't have worked out better for him to now be in Vegas. And it's, I'm not trying to say there's only one thing. Be hang on. on. Be, there's, there's only one behavior or something. There's only one thing that would have made it better because you know who the ultimate poker player is around the NHL and it's behind the bench is Travis Green. If you could have had, and you know, instead of Bruce Cassidy, if you could have had Travis Green and Phil Castle on the same team in Vegas, look out. I'm really happy for Phil. I think it's a good landing spot for him. I mean, he's obviously going to be playing with some incredible high on talent, and we already saw it last night, the sort of impact that he had on, on special teams, just his presence. Uh, it's going to be great, and it's going to be a real celebration, obviously, you know, fingers crossed that when he breaks the consecutive game streak, too. Like, I, I feel like... We all like to take our time to celebrate one of the more unique careers and unique individuals that we've had in this league in the last 20 years. Yeah. And uh, it'll be a time to celebrate them in a few a few games. I love them. Uh, okay. I don't know if you're going to do a victory lap right now based on expectation, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on the, on the New Jersey Devils. So uh, as we do predictions at the beginning of every season, various radio hits around North America, one of the questions I always get is, who is your dark horse? Who is your dark horse uh, in the NHL to, to, to make the playoffs? And I know it is a steep climb based on what we saw last season and all the goals surrendered, but I keep saying New Jersey. That if there's one team that will surprise in the East, it will be the New Jersey Devils. Having said that, I said the same thing last year. But uh, do you share my same enthusiasm and optimism for your Devils? First of all, you're a coward. I know. I know your real answer is Arizona, but you don't want to have. Oh people my God! You. Uh, no, we know what the game is. First of all, uh, here's a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> what will the shots on goal be for the Chicago Arizona games, and will they be double digits? <laughs> I saw their over under uh, at the Caesar Sportsbook <laughs> is 65, 65 and a half points for the season. 
And I think there have been around a dozen teams, Arizona having been one of them, yeah. since the the uh, in the cap era, or I mean in in sorry in the 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 like loser point, you know shootout era, yeah, uh, that have had less than sixty five points in the standings uh, in a, in an eighty two game season. I, I I can't believe the point total is that high for Arizona. I really can't. Like I think they're going to be historically bad. But anyway, we're talking about the Devils, and let me say this about the Devils. I, too, have them as a surprise team. I, too, have them in the playoffs. Three things have to happen for the Devils. Mm -hmm. One, uh, the goaltending needs to be better. It goes without saying. But the Devils' be better goaltending is a unique problem because GM Tom Fitzgerald tried to make it better for two consecutive seasons. And one guy decided he wanted to retire, Corey Crawford, and another guy had season-ending surgery in Jonathan Bernier. So Vitek Vanacek, can be the good partner to Mackenzie Blackwood and Mackenzie Blackwood um, rewards the faith of management. And in some cases, ownership uh, for believing steadfastly that he could be the goalie that he was around two, three years ago, then they're going to be okay. Uh, the devils were without question along with Seattle, the two teams that were subverted most greatly by bad goaltending last year. See, hang on, pa- pause so on that. One. Cause I, I looked at it. Yeah. And then a lot of people say, you're looking at this too simply. But it's true. Uh, to me, this is completely true. The New Jersey Devils were a good team that was completely undone by goaltending. If they have a goaltender who has a nerve to make a save, that's probably a playoff team last season. Because all they needed was a save. My kingdom for a save. That's it. It's not even a hot take. Like, you can look at the numbers. I mean, analytically, the Devils were an extremely successful team at 5-on-5 five five last year that couldn't get a save. So that's one. Two is... Uh, to go off the five on five thing for a second, their power play stunk last year, and and they went out. They they got rid of of Mark Recchi, who was running the power play. It was putrid, and they went out and uh, uh, they signed a, a Jack Adams finalist, Merrick. They signed mm. <laughs> Andrew Brunette uh, to be their associate coach. Many believe head coach in waiting. I I don't. I think they're this team is really dedicated to Lindy Ruff in ways that people don't really understand. If Jack but if Brunette's Jack job if Jack is, Hughes has any say in the matter, then Lindy Ruff is staying. Yeah, they have a really good relationship. Brunette's job is to turn the power play, power play around. There's a ton of talent on that team. Obviously, with a healthy Dougie Hamilton, that, that unit should be a hell of a lot better than it was last year. I think it will be. So power play, getting a save. And the third thing, and again, this is the real Captain Obvious one. Uh, this team ain't going nowhere but back to the lottery if Jack Hughes plays 49 games again. Like, they've got to get at least 70, 70 out of Jack. They've got to get at least 70 out of Dougie. They can't have Heischer on the shelf. Like this team has been beset by a lot of injuries over the last two years too, up to to places outside of their goaltending, and they just can't have it. Like Hughes is a star. Hughes is the, yep. the straw that stirs the drink for that lineup. If he's limited to under fifty games, they're toast. And I and I really hope that this is a good, long, healthy year for Hughes because he took such a step up last year. Over a point a game guy, and the point that I've been making for Nico Heischer, and again the hospital bracelet, I think is the only thing that'll that'll dictate this story. If he stays healthy, I think this is the season, again, if he stays healthy, that Nico Heischer finally gets in the conversation for the Selkie Trophy. I think that guy, I know a lot of us, that's in Bergeron, earned it like with a bullet last year. Awesome. Sorelli had a great Selkie season. Um, Valeria Nachushkin, Lindholm, like some really good Selkie candidates last season. But always on the fringes, and we're waiting for like the full season to come together because you look at the defensive metrics, they're outstanding for him. If he should put together a, a healthy season, that guy will get in that convo. 
people start noticing yeah. just how good defensively Nico Heischer is to say nothing about being a near point a game player. And and to go back to your earlier point about Palat, that's a huge one for them, man. Like yeah, man. Jack Hughes has never had a guy on his line that is as responsible in both ends as Palat is. And, and we I mentioned before, like the having a guy who knows where to put his stick to have the passes hit it. Like Jack's never had that either. <laughs> and so Palat <laughs> is going to be a huge benefit to Hughes. Um, and then the other pickup that it was really under the radar, the, the Penguins had to do it not only because of, of cap considerations, but also because I think maybe it was time for a change of scenery, but now you're rolling out Dougie Hamilton and, and Siegenthaler as your top pairing. And then you're getting probably Marino and Ryan Graves as your second pairing. And then you got Severson on your third pairing. It's a pretty deep defense core mm-hmm. for, for New Jersey. Um, if, if Marino can kind of level up a little bit in a new environment. So the, the Marino pickup, while not, I don't think as transformative as the Palat one. And keep in mind the other thing too, is like you and I are always talking about rings in the room and how, whether or not that is a, uh, overstated concept in the NHL ain't ain't no rings in that room like like it's not like no one's one in the devil's room outside of Andre Palat so having a guy there that that's been through it Mm -hmm. um I think is going to be a huge benefit for them too as they mature into a, a playoff contender so the New Jersey Devils open up against the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow Phillies at home and we all know the disarray the Flyers uh team is in right now um you know, I I got dunked on hard after the last podcast that Elliot and, Elliot and I did when I said that I don't know that the Flyers have the appetite for a rebuild, either the Flyers or the Flyers fans. And man, I got stomped by Flyers fans saying, <laughs> we've been begging for this for years. What kind of space cake are you eating, Merrick? <laughs> now, we all know that Chicago and Arizona are Exhibit A and Exhibit B in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. You think Philly has an outside shot at it? Sure. Well, let me rephrase that. I think they have a shot at it because, as as you know, the NHL fixes the lottery, uh, so they want to make sure that Connor Bedard goes to a huge market. We all know that. I don't, I don't know what I don't know what happened with the Connor McDavid Edmonton thing. They must have like hit the wrong button or something. Mm. But usually, they fix the lottery to get those kinds of players to good good markets. Now, um, I hesitate because it it is entirely conceivable to me that the Arizona Coyotes are going to be as bad as possible to get a franchise player and move forward. It's entirely conceivable to me that the Chicago Blackhawks are in the process of stripping down their roster to uh, the the nuts and bolts of it uh, to be as bad as possible to then begin the next phase of their franchise. Even if the Flyers had stripped it all down, I can't conceive of a John Tortorella team not being competitive. And John Tortorella has a real knack for getting his team like near the bubble and I don't know if he could do it with this group, but I do know that like they're not going to tank. They're not going to be as bad as some other teams in this league just because the coach won't allow it. And, and so I find the push-pull of the Flyers to be very interesting in the sense that you have a general manager in Chuck Fletcher who has received probably a lot more support from ownership and management than Flyers fans would have anticipated he would because of the fortunes of the team on the ice. 
And he hires a coach, Jean Tortorella, who has a real knack for not coaching the worst team in the league. Like, he keeps him competitive. Yet, at the same time, the best thing for the franchise would be to get Connor Bedard. So it, it feels like diametrically opposed forces right now pulling mm. in different directions in Philly. Yeah, see, that it's one of those situations where, because I'm with you, I think John Tortorella is going to have this team playing. Um, they're going to be too scared not to play hard for John Tortorella, right? And what do we keep yeah. hearing about with yeah. John Tortorella? This is identity, identity. That's why we can't wait for that first Islanders game after what we saw in the the preseason with the Ross Johnson incident. Um, you know, it, it's going to be... You know, old orange, as I refer to it, you know, 70s Philadelphia Flyers, not with like the line <laughs> brawls and everything. But this is going to be like the accent is on, okay, Nick Delorier, it's your time to do something. Okay, Zach McEwen, it's your time to to do something here. Like this is this is what this team is going to be all season long as they yeah. try to establish this identity. And I don't know that that's... And given they still do have talent on this roster as well, like unless the general manager comes in and says, let's just take as many bullets out of John's chamber as possible. That might be the only way they get down there to get in the Connor Bedard conversation. See, I think that Flyers fans would like it. I just don't know that the general manager's office or anybody above him, and that may be the most important one, has any appetite for that. They never right. have. And, so and they never have. Right. So as long as you've got yourself a, a, a Cam Atkinson and a Konechny and, and the other guys that are on that Joel roster. Farabee. Yeah. And as long as you have Carter Hart, who I, you know, again, like we always talk about the things we know about John Tortorella teams in the sense that someone will get punched in the face. But you know what, what else happens? The goalie gets better. Every place he's gone, the goalie gets better. Now, granted, in some places he's had Henrik Lundqvist, right? But like, but like, I think that his system also does well to insulate his goaltender, and and I think that Carter Hart could be the direct beneficiary of that, and and a guy that certainly does need a little bit of structure in front of him, and certainly does need an uptick in statistical output, and and I think he played better as the season went on last year. So, I'm really curious to see. Like, they're not going to be a playoff team, but. They sure aren't going to be the pushover that a lot of people think they're going to be. Mm-hmm. The most interesting team to you this season is who? Vancouver. It's Vancouver because, as you said, there is an absolute, I'm going to use a wrestling term, schmaz for the last few spots in the Western Conference. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and not only for the Pacific third, but then also the wild card. And, and, Vancouver, I'm so curious about because I I agree with our friend Elliot. Like I think that Thatcher Demko is a real contender for the Vezina this year mm-hmm. if they give him the games that he had last year, just because of of how effective he is, and also because Vezina loves a workhorse. Um, they've got a ton of talent up front. I really like one half of their defense. <laughs> the other half is <laughs> trash. Um, and and like you you I can't quite put my finger on what they're going to end up being this year. And I also feel like, and, and let me know if you agree with this. It's a, it's a team that is still struggling. Think of like, think of like um, Jimmy Rutherford as like an organ transplant. And the body is still trying to figure out if, if it's compatible. And by that, I mean like there's so much Jim Benning on this team that they, it still feels like they're working hard to kind of like, extract the toxins okay but hang, but hang but hang on a sec on the roster but hang on yeah. a sec 
I, I understand that, oh, this is a this is a this is still a Benning team. But by not changing the key players, which we all thought would be swapped out in the offseason, Benning acquisitions, have you now made it your team? Even though Benning brought them in, even though Benning signed the contracts. The fact that uh, many have been re-upped, and we think of Brock Besser and JT Miller right away. Yeah. And that the other ones haven't been moved to go in a new direction, the likes of which we thought we're going to get here with Rutherford and Alvin when they took over. Is this now on them? Like, Can we I no, lo- can we no longer point. say this is Jim Benning's team? I guess that's a really good point in, in the sense that the, the Besser re-signing is very much that. See, that's a player I really thought they'd move on from. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a player that they could have repurposed to help another area of of their team. Um, but that would, but that would only, but, hey, but that would only be predicated on if they were going in this new direction. Like, hey, you know what? Everything has to complement Quinn Hughes, and if it doesn't complement his timeline, we're not going to do it. That's why you make the the well, Besser move. You may well. You could also make the Besser move for somebody who plays on the right side of your defense. That's good. Mm-hmm. which they don't have right now. Like, like, you know, there are other ways to utilize that, that talent and, and, and that value to other teams to improve the current roster to, you know, speak to the Quinn Hughes timeline. Um, I was, I, I was not surprised, but let me put it this way. I was more surprised that they, they, they kept Bess around than I was that they kept JT Miller around, which I know is the opposite. Really? Of a lot of Why? Because they all thought, why? I, I I really I really bought into the idea that he was he was being shopped in previous seasons, and I really thought that, given his age, and and given his his you know scoring prowess when healthy, they had a lot of value, and and I thought that rather than doubling down on a new deal for him that would walk him to UFA status, that they would use him to fill in another hole in that lineup. Like congratulations, I'm 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 thrilled for them that Brock Besser's back. I just, I just don't know where this team goes when half your defense stinks and they, and they simply don't have the overall depth that you need, I think, to contend with the Golden Knights or the Kings or the Blues or the Stars or the Predators. And the wild thing in all of it is they don't have their captain signed. I just talked to Thomas Trance about this before the top of the hour. Like They still don't have Bo Horvat signed. And if you look at... You know, the way that, you know, we saw what Matthew Barzal just got. I think we have an idea of what Dylan Larkin is going to get out of the Red Wings. Um, that's going to have an effect on Bo Horvat. Sure. And it's not it's not going to be cheap. Bo Horvat will not be a cheap contract. It's not, but I think that once... I think they were all waiting for the Barzal domino to fall. He, he signs, then Robertson's in. You know, and now everyone's cards are on the table, and we know exactly what the cost is going to be for Horvat and for Larkin. Yeah. The the by the way, the the I'm firmly convinced until someone tells me otherwise, the number that got Jason Robertson done was nine point three, which is the salary in the last season because that now becomes the QO. I right. think I think the that, old that, Timo Meyer move. That's well, and we're going to follow that story closely, <laughs> which was the old Matthew Kachuk move, which is playing, right. <laughs> which is playing itself out yeah. now with the uh, with the Dallas. What do you make of Dallas this year? Oh, I like Dallas. I like Dallas for one specific reason, which is that Pete DeBoer does not miss in year one. 
He does not miss in year one. Year two? Year three? He's usually gone by year three. They all hate him by then. But he does not miss in year one. Year one, Panthers, best season they had since the mid-1990s. Year one, Devils, Stanley Cup final. Year one, San Jose, (laughs) Stanley Cup final. Year one, Vegas, conference final. Petey doesn't miss. And and like I I'm I'm an Ottinger believer. Uh, they've got a real special player there. I think if the Robertson line is as good as it was last year, that line can easily carry them back to the playoffs. And the most fascinating guy in that team for me, I talked to Jim Nill about this, is Heiskin in this year mm-hmm. because they're going to hand him the keys to PP one without Klingberg there. And you talk about like, will this be the Nico Heischer Selkie appreciation year? Will this be the Norris Trophy Mira Heiskanen appreciation year if his point total jumps by like 12? Well, and he's a really good solid defenseman as per usual. Like, is is it his turn yeah. amongst the Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr group of young defensemen to finally get some shine? Well, what's the one thing that we also, going back to the coach, uh, and this will support your idea of Mira Heiskanen and the point totals, Peter DeBora creates offense from shots from the point and rebounds. Mm-hmm. That's always been, you know, uh, Pete DeBoer believes, and you can make the argument, rightfully so, you know, playoff goals are scored off rebounds. Goals are scored off rebounds. Goals are scored off rebounds. Point shot, point shot, point shot. The point shot's not there to score. It's to make a rebound. That could very well be there for Heiskanen. And, the you know, the kicker for all, for all of it is you, you wonder what a defense on Dallas with with um with Peter DeBoer coaching would be like with John Klingberg. Yeah. You know, because that wasn't happening with Rick Bonus and John Klingberg. But you wonder about Speaking Pete DeBoer. The, the, the other one, really, really quick, the other one, the wild card to me for Dallas is Radic Faxa. And don't forget, before all the injuries started piling up, you mentioned Selkie Trophy, we were low-key having conversations about is Faxa oh, in yeah. that conversation. All of a sudden, were. if Faxa's healthy... I believe that he is. If he's 100% to go, that's a wild card for the Dallas Stars. So I'm with you. I, I, I find, them, I find them fascinating. Speaking of Klingberg, <laughs> what do you make of the fact that the Anaheim Ducks appear to be have built a defense that is five puck-moving defensemen and Dmitry Kulikov? <laughs> <laughs> I, what is that? Well, one might look at that and say we don't expect John Klingberg to still be an Anaheim Duck come trade deadline time. Oh, I don't think he will be. I mean, that's clearly like your Taylor <laughs> Hall. I'm just going to make my money and, and bide my time and get get a nice tan type situation. I mean, I'm not saying Taylor Hall did that because in Buffalo, I'm just saying the principle of the matter is you're there to bide your time, make a little money and then move on to the next thing. Like, I don't think Klingberg's going to be there by the trade deadline either, but like to build out a defense, I, I want to believe it's, it's, it's by design where they're looking at it and they're like, we're going to try something new and just have five guys to move the puck and one guy that just stands there. Um, but it's just a very bizarre well, I don't think, I don't think you can, I don't yeah. think you can have enough skating defensemen right now in 2022. Like that's sure, all, that's all, need, that's all, need, that's all fine to me. And then when, and then, your, I mean, like, then when it get when it gets rough, you have Nathan bully you. That's it. Again, that's a, that's a right, thing that's too. Like, like, you're skating defensemen now though. Like your teams that have skating defensemen, there's part of their skating defensemen are like Jacob Slavin and, and Devon Taves. Like they, they could do more <laughs> than just skate. And no one's looking at Kevin Shattenkirk and saying to himself, oh, you've got yourself a uh, old Samuelson back there. Like it's not, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a very oddly put together decor is what I'm trying to say, Mary. We will, uh, we will see the Anaheim Ducks uh, in action tonight against the Seattle Kraken. This is, this is like a Calder trophy game. 
Like you got you got Beneers, you got Wright, and you got the guy that I think walks home with it, Mason McTavish. Mm. Your thoughts on these three rookies, Wish? I super love McTavish. I think he's going to be an incredible pro. Yep. Uh, I love everything about that guy. And, and I think that when the Ducks actualize as a contender again, like he's the sort of heart and soul player that, that ties the room together. That being said, I'm a Maddie Beneers for Calder guy. If, if, if Logan Thompson doesn't have the, I saved the night season narrative. I think, I think Beneers is set up to win it just because of how, I mean, like, Say what you will about the Kraken. Availability of veteran wingers for your rookie center is not one of their problems. He's going to have a lot to choose from there. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, the first pairing doesn't work for him, okay, just swap it out for, like, Jaden Schwartz. Or, like, they've got so many options on the wing for him the only... that I think if he he might be the most set up to do well let me... in this league right now insofar as winning the Calder. Let, 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 me, let me close on this one. The only thing that I think can really stand in his way, and we just focus on the Pacific, it's going to be a lot of nights where Beneers, you know, goes up against... I don't know, pick your center, Lindholm, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Kopitar, uh, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Jack Eichel. It's a lot of really, really elite centers in that division that he'll have to go up against. That would be the one the one area where I'd look at and say, I love Matt Beniers just like you do, Wish, but man, there's some tough centers in that division. Well, I mean, my concern is like the Philip Deneau of it all versus like the Jack Eichel of it all. Like, I think you can go power versus power with Beniers and feel pretty good about yourself. I think he's a good two-way player. It's just that you're, you're dealing with some guys in that division that can really shut it down. That being said, I think you've talked to Beniers before, yes? Have you had him oh, on yeah. the show? Oh, yeah. I love him. I love him. Okay. I think what you're forgetting is that he's actually 27 years old. Um, <laughs> he looks 27. He acts 27. So what you're saying, what you're saying gonna... is, is, is if you if you were Russian, we'd be demanding to see the passport. Like, hold on. A yeah, second I'm, sa- like, I'm saying it's a huge advantage when you're called or eligible, <laughs> yet you're also 27 years old, which I believe is the case with Matt Beneers. Uh Very good. Uh, on that, we'll release you to pump yourself up full of medication. Uh, we'll talk to you in seven oh, days. Wish you'd be good. Take care of your health, man. Yeah, but thanks. Take care. There he is, Greg Wyshynski from uh, from ESPN here each and every Wednesday uh, on the program. Hope you enjoyed that. More of that coming each and every week here on the show.